Well, it's so good to be back with you uh, again today. I'm, I'm glad that you came and that you're here and joining us today for worship. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online uh, today. We're thrilled that you chose to join us and worship with us today, wherever you may be. Well, probably for the very last time in the year 2020, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. While you're finding that this morning, I just want to remind you of the offering baskets that are located in the back of the sanctuary. Um, And I want to thank you so much for your faithfulness during this time, uh, this challenging time you've been faithful to bring into the storehouse. And uh, I thank you so much for that as we worship with the giving of our tithes uh, and offerings. I also want to thank everyone that brought in shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. We had uh, the opportunity Monday to deliver uh, those boxes that you brought in and also the boxes that we received from our community uh, that other churches brought. Since we were a drop-off location here in Greenbrier, we had over 600 boxes uh, in our community. Over half of those 600 were brought in by you, our church family. And I want to thank you so much for doing that, your generosity and your faithfulness. also want to remind you this morning before we get to our message, uh, the number of COVID-19 cases are just continuing to increase. Um, the number of people hospitalized are at record numbers. Uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you know it's getting more and more serious each and every week. And uh, our denomination has asked us uh, to continue to encourage everyone uh, who is attending our churches on site to follow the Uh, state guidelines that have been issued by our governor and the Department of Health. So we ask you, please wear your mask properly at all times, covering your nose and mouth, and keep family groups, try to keep six foot apart. And if you're unable to wear a mask, or you choose just not to wear one, we would ask you for the safety of others to please join us in worshiping online. And uh, thank you so much for following these guidelines. I thank you so much. I I truly mean, I appreciate your diligence in trying to help us uh, do this so that we can continue to gather together. We have churches right here in our community today that can't meet uh, because they've had spread in their church. And we've been blessed. And um, I continue to pray, uh, pray daily that God would protect our church family. also ask you to continue to pray for those who, have, who are sick uh, with this virus and who have lost loved ones. We've had many in our church uh, that have had the virus, uh, some in our church that have lost loved ones, parents and grandparents to uh, complications from the virus, and also uh, ask you to pray for our local nursing home. Uh, we were contacted this week that there are several uh, active cases here in Greenbrier Nursing Home. Uh, we all have family 
uh, and loved ones in that nursing home and people from our church that work in that nursing home. And uh, it can be a very, very serious situation there. And so I ask you in joining me to pray for the residents and the staff members that are uh, trying to meet their needs during this difficult time. Well, I, again, am so glad that you're here. Uh, today we're in week eight and the final week of the series that we've been doing called Being Like Jesus. And what we've been doing over the past seven weeks and continuing today is studying what is known as the Beatitudes that we find at the beginning of Jesus' sermon, uh, famously known as the Sermon on the Mount. And what we've been seeing is that these Beatitudes are really just the attitudes of a follower of Christ. Uh, these attitudes we've, we've been talking about are, are the building blocks of Christianity. We have seen, hopefully uh, you've, you've uh, been able to, to follow along as we've uh, been able to see these build one on top of the other, on top of the other, and how they are all important to building and laying the foundation uh, for us as followers of Jesus Christ. They're the building blocks of Christianity. Uh, and we've seen, hopefully you have seen the importance of building your life on this critical foundation uh, because it's all that truly matters. And we've seen that this is a life, this is a foundation where we can truly experience real joy in our lives. We can experience real happiness in our lives and real peace in our lives that won't be affected by our circumstances. It, it won't be affected by a, 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 a scary medical report or diagnosis. It, it won't be affected by a year like 2020. Now, it won't be affected by our circumstances. And, and nine different times here... Uh, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, you are blessed. Meaning you are most happy. You are most joyful. You are most peaceful when you live your life being like Jesus. And, and these last two blessings that we're going to look at today are, are, are tied to uh, the final attitude or final building block, if you will, that Jesus gives us. And it's probably the most difficult idea for us, especially as Americans, to wrap our minds uh, around today. Uh, and so in, in closing out today, Jesus says to us here in verse 10 of chapter 5, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Would you join me in prayer? Dear God, we come before you today and I, I just pray that you would give us a full understanding today of this blessing that is promised to those who are persecuted because of you.
as followers of Jesus, God, we will travel a path of hurt. We will travel a path of pain. The path that you traveled. And I thank you today for traveling that path for us and traveling that path with us so that we can receive the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thousands of people gather in the Colosseum. They have all risen to their feet to cheer wildly. And some of them are intoxicated with alcohol. Others are intoxicated with the adrenaline of the contest that they know is about to begin. Uh, the sound in the Colosseum is uh, deafening as the despised opponent uh, and hated rival enters in through the tunnel about to make their appearance into the arena. The fans who are attending this great uh, event are hungry for victory, and they know that they have the advantage over their opponent because they are in their home stadium. They're filled with confidence because they're undefeated. This setting is a familiar sight for many of us that are here today, but it's not what you might be thinking. It's not the Dallas Cowboys versus the Detroit Lions in Jerry's world. This isn't uh, the Detroit Lions, but it's a line. All right. It's a vicious line that's entering into a Roman Colosseum and arena to destroy and devour an innocent man who simply calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ. This was common during the time that these people lived. And Jesus knew as He spoke to His disciples that day that it would become more and more frequent and more and more horrifying for followers of Jesus Christ. The Romans were famous for how they tortured Christians. They were famous for throwing Christians to the lions. And many would gather to watch the event as a form of entertainment. And even though none of us here today live in fear of that sort of thing happening to us today, it's still the lion versus the Christian. And we've seen that these beatitudes that Jesus gives us are the building blocks to a very important faith that we place in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And, and these beatitudes that, that we've been looking at, it's what a follower of Jesus will not only look like, but 
also what a follower of Jesus will receive when they do. And Jesus tells us nine times that we are blessed in this Christian life, but this one, this last one, is by far the most difficult. The first seven that we looked at are critical to faithfully living a a, a Christian life, but this last one, this last one here is to warn us This last one here is to teach us that it won't be easy and that there is a price to pay for being a follower of Christ. So, how can the persecuted possibly be blessed? How can persecution bring us joy? And happiness. Can you imagine today someone saying, I'm so happy when people pick on me? (laughs) Can you imagine someone today saying, you know, I'm so happy. It, it, It makes me just filled with joy when someone makes fun of me or mistreats me. But don't miss this. Out of all the Beatitudes that we've looked at, this is the only one that Jesus repeats for emphasis. It's the only one that He repeats to make His point. Jesus must have known that His followers would have a hard time with this one. And Jesus doesn't say the persecuted are blessed Just once. He says it twice. And then he says in verse 12, Rejoice and be glad about it. (laughs) And as Americans, we find it hard to rejoice and be glad when we're suffering for the cause of Christ. We can't even rejoice when we're blessed enough to come together and be able to worship during a pandemic. We can't rejoice and be glad when traffic is backed up on Highway 65, let alone should we ever face real and true persecution like what Jesus speaks to here today. There's a man that God brought into my life several years ago, a man that made a huge impact on me, and he never knew it. I never told him, and I will never get the opportunity to tell him this side of heaven. He was a man that I met while I was working at Axiom, and his name was Lyle Wilson. He worked in the maintenance department, and he would make his way from building to building, floor to floor, office to office, doing a simple job that most folks wouldn't enjoy and they wouldn't even appreciate having a job like the one that Lyle had. But Lyle always did it with a smile on his face and the name of Jesus on his lips. Always. Every single 
day, Lyle was Lyle. And you knew without a doubt, if you talked to Lyle for more than a minute, and sometimes it didn't even take him a minute, in every conversation that he had with every person, he was going to bring up his Lord. He was going to bring up his Savior and his love for him. Law was an older gentleman, and in those last few years that we were together, he was nearing retirement. He actually was old enough to probably retire years earlier. But everyone that met Lyle knew that he was a child of God. He was a Christian. He was a follower of Jesus. And he would often be carrying around, and I know some of you here, maybe watching online, uh, you worked at Axiom when Lyle was there, and, and, and you would know that he often carried around with him a, a piece of paper and he would have it folded and either stuck in his shirt pocket or, or, or have it in his pants pocket. But he would often uh, have something that he would want to share that he'd print it off. This world of technology and computers and printers was just amazing to Lyle. He was a simple guy raised on Wolverton Mountain up by Clif Clifton Clowers. And Clifton, he was a real guy. Lyle knew him and knew his daughter that the song was written about. But Lyle was just a simple guy, and it amazed him the things that he could do on the computer and print off uh, these. Uh, people would send him emails and, uh, about God and, you know, the kind of stuff that people share on Facebook now. Uh, back in the day, uh, kids, we just emailed those things. And uh, Lyle would print them off and he would often have one with him and he would read it or, or, or show it to the people that he would come in contact with throughout the day. And, and he would take those printouts and those emails that he had and he, would, uh, uh, he, he began to make a, a book in his office. He had a binder where he would print off all these stories of, that people would send him and He'd print them off and he'd put them in his binder there in his very modest uh, workspace uh, that he was given there. And I'll never forget, not long before our final days together there at Axiom, he stopped by my office, smiling as usual, and he proceeded to tell me that someone had taken his binder from his desk and they had tore it up. And they had taken his emails and his printouts and they were gone. And I know without a doubt that hurt him. I'm sure it hurt him deeply that someone would do something uh, like that to him. But here he was smiling. And he said these words to me, although Lyle said them in the King James Version because he was a very faithful old-time missionary Baptist and it was King James Version only. But he smiled and he said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs... is the kingdom of heaven with a smile on his face. It was that very day that 
I fully understood this blessing. This blessing that Jesus talked about because I saw it literally unfold before my eyes. I miss law. I miss our times together. And as I was thinking about him, I, I did a search online to see if maybe law had passed uh, since we last saw one another. And I did. I found his obituary online. His family had penned these words. Law was welcomed by our Lord with these words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I know that when Jesus opened his arms to receive law into his kingdom and his reward, I can still see that smile as God welcomed him home and said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, when we've built our life on this foundation, when we've built our life on these building blocks that we've been looking at for the past seven weeks, our joy and our happiness will not be affected by the world around us. It won't be affected by our circumstances. And it most definitely will not be affected by our opposition. It just won't. Uh, we get a great example of this from the Apostle Paul. He not only knew this to be true, but he lived it out. And we see it time and time again. And in Acts chapter 16, we see the story that's recorded there of a time in Paul's life where he was overtaken by a mob. Uh, he was arrested. He was beaten. He was locked in chains and he was put in prison. And I don't know about you, but that's a bad day. That's a really bad day. Some folks last week thought they were having a bad day because Highway 65 was blocked for four hours from a dump truck being turned over. Folks, we don't know anything about having a bad day. Paul had some bad days. I'm going to say that not many of us have experienced a day quite like some of the days that the Apostle Paul and the other apostles experienced as followers of Christ. Most of us, after an experience like what Paul uh, goes through there in Acts chapter 16, would uh, have been in a pretty pitiful state of mind had we endured something like that. I probably would have curled up in a ball and hid in a corner and tried to go to sleep, hoping that maybe I would die in my sleep, or I would wake up and realize that it was just a bad dream. But Scripture tells us that Paul wasn't curled up in a ball. And even at midnight, he was not sleeping. But instead, Paul and Silas are singing. They're singing. They were singing praises to their God. Uh, they were praying to their Heavenly Father. And years later, Paul uh, would write to the church in Philippi while he's yet in another prison. 
right in Rome, and he would write to them from prison, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Paul understood this peace, this joy, and this happiness that won't be affected by our circumstance. And it won't be affected by our opposition. And so Jesus says, you are blessed when you are persecuted because of righteousness. He's not saying you're blessed when you have a bad day. He's, he's not saying you're blessed when you have 2020. He's, he's, he, he's, he's not saying you're blessed when someone's being mean to you or someone's picking on you. He says you are blessed when you are persecuted because of righteousness. The NLT says it like this, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. When people mock you and persecute you and lie about you because you are my followers. And this righteousness is, is not something that we do. It's not something that we can, you know, check off a list. Righteousness is not something that we do or even based on anything that we do. Right? And the Bible says that our righteousness, anything that we can do that we think might be righteousness, is like filthy rags before God. God says we are righteous because of our faith in Him. We are righteous because of our faith in, in Jesus Christ and the work uh, that He does in our lives through the blood that was shed on Calvary and the work that He continues to do in us through the Holy Spirit. As He cleanses us with His blood, right? He gives us the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit that is described as that we have flowing through our veins it is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It is flowing in us and through us when the Holy Spirit abides in us. And it's this power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to be able to live holy lives and have righteousness. Again, it's this idea of sanctification that Paul speaks to repeatedly throughout the New Testament. Being cleansed and being empowered. Righteousness is a life that is lived under control and under the influence of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. And friends, we've been seeing this every single week as we've looked at these Beatitudes. But here's the deal. A Christian, a follower of Jesus, will live drastically different than those who are not. They will look drastically different than people who aren't living for Christ. It's a different lifestyle. It, it, it stands out. Followers of Christ, we should stick out like a sore thumb compared to the culture of our world today. Especially the culture that we find in America today. 
living out these beatitudes in, in you daily means that you can't sit on the fence between a life of being a Christian and the things of the world. It, we, we can't straddle the fence when it comes to these two things. There's, there's no gray area. There's no lukewarm. Jesus says you're either hot or you're cold. It's either black or white. You're either with me or you're against me. And our lives will look different. Our lives will be different than those who aren't living for Christ. There was never any doubt whatsoever that my friend Lyle was a follower of God. He stuck out. He stood out. There was no doubt. No doubt at all. He was noticeably different. And anybody that was around him for 60 seconds or even less knew he had a Savior. And his name was Jesus. And here's the deal. When we live our lives consistent with these Beatitudes, when we live a life like this, on these attitudes and characteristics and values of Jesus, we will be different. We will be different. And friends, don't miss this. When you are being like Jesus and you are living like Jesus, you're going to be treated like Jesus. And I want you to just think about the way He was treated. The way His followers were treated. Living like Jesus and following Jesus. We can expect to be treated like Jesus. I believe there's a reason why we as Christians in the United States of America today don't face the same kind of persecution as believers do in the other part of the world. And I believe it's this. I don't believe people are threatened by the lives that we live. They're not threatened by us at all because for the most part, the people around us don't know who's a Christian and who's not. They can't tell a difference. They don't know when they meet someone whether they're a follower of Jesus or if they're not. Friends, that's why the persecution has stopped. We're no threat to them. And too often, we as followers of Christ, we just want to follow, we, we, we just want to focus on the good stuff. We want to focus on the blessings. We want to focus on all the good things that God has for us, and we forget about the price that we must be willing to pay as followers of Christ. Because friends, there is a price to be paid for being a follower of Jesus. It's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 27, He says, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow Me cannot be My disciple. He said, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? You know, I don't know about y'all, and that and I have built a few houses. We've remodeled a few houses. 
we've always got some kind of project in the plan or in the works or going on and it's just never ending. For 32 years, we've had a project. Never once did we begin to plan and prepare for a project and not sit down and go, what's this going to cost us? What's the cost associated with doing this or having this? Folks, there's a cost attached to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't sugarcoat it. He, he doesn't you know, make it sound a whole lot sweeter so that He could somehow trick us into becoming a follower. He told it like it is. And He says, if you're going to follow Me, there's a price to pay. If you're going to be a true follower of Jesus, then expect persecution instead of praise. Don't expect people to praise you. Expect people to persecute you. Instead of invitations, expect insults. Instead of honor, expect harassment. And instead of applause, expect abuse. Jesus wants us to know. He wants us to be fully aware and He wants us to be fully prepared for the difficulties that will come as a result of following Him. It's going to be the results of living this life that's built upon the Beatitudes that we've been learning about the last seven weeks. As I was preparing for this, uh, one pastor that I follow on Twitter uh, said it like this recently. Well, this past week he posted this on Twitter. He said, our choice isn't between suffering and not suffering. It's between suffering with hope and suffering without hope. That's so good. Our choice isn't between suffering and not suffering. It's between suffering with hope and suffering without hope. A follower, a follower of Christ will suffer because of it. But we suffer and we endure with a hope. With a hope. Aren't you glad you got up in the rain and the cold today and got ready to come to church for such an encouraging message? <laughs> you should be glad you came today. That you're watching online today. Because we can't miss this. And it's the promise. And the promise is greater than the persecution ever could be. <laughs> Let's look at it again. Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. 
So what's the promise here? And I've underlined it for you today because I've learned after seven weeks, you're still struggling to find the promise, right? And so I've underlined them for you up here today. The final week, I finally learned. What's the promise for those who are persecuted because of righteousness? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? What's the promise that uh, when you're insulted and, and people say bad things about you because of Jesus? Great is your reward in heaven. Jesus promised us a blessing that is greater than anything that we could ever dream or we could imagine. How could Paul sing? After being arrested and beaten and thrown in a cold, uh, dark, damp prison in chains? Because of the promise. He knew the promise. He was fully aware uh, of the promise. He said it like this in 1 Corinthians 2.9. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love Him. How could He sing through all that He went through? Because He knew this was all so temporary. So temporary. And it was such a small price to pay to be different than everybody else in the world. Because He knew and He understood the promise of heaven and the promise of the rewards in heaven. And if it discourages you today that you may face a little persecution, if it discourages you today that everybody may not like you because you're a Christian, if that discourages you today, can I just tell you? You're nuts! We would be absolutely crazy to be discouraged by that. This is the greatest news, the greatest promise that Jesus ever made us. My friend Lyle would say today, tear up my emails, criticize me. You make fun of me when I walk out of your office. I'm only going to be here a short time. 87 years, and then I'm going to heaven to be with my Savior forever. This life here is like a vapor. And then eternity. And it will all be worth it when we see Jesus. Past week has been a hard week. In the last week, I uh, did a funeral for one of my kids. 33-year-old. And it was hard. Got up Sunday morning with a message that I had received in the night about a dear friend who was very sick. I got home from church Sunday afternoon. I got a call that they had called in the family. 
Sunday night, another call. And he was gone. Another dear friend. Gone. Another grieving wife. Grieving kids. And it's hard. It's hard to walk by a casket and see a lifeless, cold body that was once filled with life. This life is like a vapor. It's so very temporary. People walk in a funeral home every single day. Testifying to the fact that it's short. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Our present troubles are small. They won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory. That vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze (laughs) on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. (laughs) But the things we cannot see, oh, it's those things that will last forever. Friends, these things, the kingdom of heaven will be ours if we don't give up. We must keep the prize we have to gain always in our gaze, (laughs) always in our sight. These beatitudes, these past eight weeks, We've seen what a life of a follower of Christ must look like and should look like. And the reward of that, the reward of being like Jesus here, is being with Jesus there. That's the reward. That's what we have to gain. But until then, while we're here, These are the attitudes. These are the qualities. These are the characteristics of being a follower of Jesus. While we're here on this earth for just a short period of time, and it's with Him, it's with Jesus, that we will have a blessed happiness and a blessed peace that this world and our circumstances and the opposition 
cannot take away from us. The Beatitudes gives us life of peace, peace in this life, and peace in our eternal life that is to come. And my prayer, my hope has been over these past eight weeks that this has changed you and this has made you more like Jesus than you have ever been. Let me pray for you as we close. God, I thank you today for the hope that we have in you. And the reminder to us is, again, it's not going to be easy. There is a price to pay for being a follower of Jesus because the ultimate price was paid for us on the cross of Calvary. And you said followers of Jesus will follow Jesus down that path. It's to die to self and to live with Christ. And God, we thank you for the hope that we have in you today. It is difficult. We are living in difficult times. And God, here's the deal. Just the, the truth of the matter is, based on your word, it's not going to get better. And, and God, also based on your word, we've got it really good compared to our brothers and sisters that are gathered in fear in other parts of the world today. So God, thank you for the reminder of just how good we've got it. But God, is the reason we've got it so good is because we're not really making a difference in the world that we're living in. So people aren't opposed to us. God, I, I honestly don't know what that looks like, but I pray that you would lead us and guide us down this path of righteousness so that people would know. I, I, God, I, I want to be so much like Lyle. He was just a simple man with a powerful message. And everybody that came in contact with him knew that he was a child of God. May that be said about me, and may that be said about everybody that's here today. And it won't always be easy. There will be opposition. There will be things said about us, behind our backs, and maybe even to our face. God, it's nothing in comparison to the reward that we're going to receive when we get home. This is also very temporary. I pray that we would see it as such and understand that eternity is forever. And if there be anyone here today or maybe watching online that's been straddling the fence between you and the desires of the world, today I pray that they would fully surrender their life to you because that is all that really matters in our lives here on this earth is that we accept you and surrender to you and follow you and be children of God. So God, as we go out from this place, find us faithful. God, make us righteous. Make us holy. Do a work in us and through us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the love that you've shown us, for the forgiveness you've extended us, and the great opportunity to be called children of God. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things. Amen. God bless you. I love you so much.